Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Michael Myers, former defensive tackle from the University of Connecticut, and you're listening to On the Fin Side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side. Here with Brian Cat, Cat Mazzaro, and Paul Pickin. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, and YouTube. We are recapping our On the Fin Side mock draft, which everybody seems to be doing this time of year. Here, the Dolphins at number 22, had Reuben Foster fall to them in this situation. You see some mock drafts that have him falling, even out of the first round, and some that have him going still in the top 10. In this scenario, the Miami Dolphins did land Reuben Foster at number 22. Paul, a lot of uh, things surrounding this guy. You had the failed drug test. You have the shoulder injury, a lot of different things. Is this a player you would have gone with at number 22 or with somebody else? Well, the first thing is what Greg told me who we picked, I kind of went back and went, you know, thank God you didn't pick Forrest Lamp and make this mock draft boring like every other mock draft out there and went to the defense. But at the same time, I probably would have gone a different direction. Uh, And not just the off the field stuff, not just the diluted drug test, not just issue A into slot B, whatever else you want to say about this guy. My biggest concern with him, because even if they're able to get that maturity stuff out of the way, because it is maturity stuff. There's a lot of issues with that. Hanging around with the people that cause problems and things like that, all this other stuff. We've beat it with a stick to death, so I'm not going to dive into that. The biggest issue for me still to this day is the fact that this is a violent football player who has issues with stingers already. So he's almost got two choices in front of him at this point that are most likely. He's either got to, A, change the style of his game, which takes him to be a different football player out there and a more cautious one, or B, continue to play a violent-ass game of football, and he's probably out of the league in two or three years and in a wheelchair like Muhammad Ali. I think uh, that is... A strong statement there. Uh, I would have taken Reuben Foster at 22 and hope that the injury situation works itself out. I, I think that if, if people were looking at a lifespan of Reuben Foster of two to three years, I don't think, I think we would have heard about it by now. That, that's my only problem uh, with that. But yeah, there are a lot of problems surrounding this guy when you look at it. You start lining him up, uh, you've got the injury problems. You have off the field concerns. You have concerns about who he hangs out with. Not to mention, he's also not a pass rushing linebacker. He's a straight middle linebacker, but he is one of the players in this class. That's not very top heavy. I looked at play football and watching number 10 run around the field for Alabama. One of the few players I looked at and said, wow. And that's what separates things for me. But I don't blame anybody for wanting to go in a different direction there. Paul, looking at the rest of the mock draft, what is one pick that really surprised you? For me, it was when Ian went with Carl Lawson. I really didn't expect Carl to be a guy that went the first round. And that's got, I've got enough respect for Ian that I need to go out and look at this guy a little more. I know he's coming off a pretty significant injury, and I kind of had him downgraded to maybe late second, possibly the third. So that's definitely something where 
when it comes to Ian, I, I typically assume there's something that he knows, and, and I really need to look at this guy a little bit more. Well, we've uh, sung Ian's praises for so long, we're going to pick on him a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, but I'm with you on on there because Ian tends to know a few things uh, that we may not. So I'm going to double down and say Raekwon McMillan at number 27 was a little bit of a surprise for me too. I I always thought Raekwon would go somewhere in the second or third round, very raw on tape, but he does have the size, does have the speed, ran a mid four six to get the job done. It's in that three four Kansas City defense could settle in very well, but that was a little bit of a surprise there for me too. I was expecting Raekwon to go in the second or third round. Paul, uh, what is what was your favorite pick of this mock draft? My favorite one, I'd have to say, I'd probably say it was the Obi pick. I was a little nervous that both your pick for the Dolphins at 22 and my pick for the Dolphins at 22 were going to fall all the way out of the first round and and be a complete shocker on both fronts to me. And and really, I think as much as I want to see him on the Dolphins, he's going to form a dynamic pairing back there with the Saints in a position of need. So I I really like this, especially when you combine it with with the fact that Rob selected Taco Charlton earlier in the round. I think he's strengthened the front end of New Orleans defense and for strengthening the back end here. So I, I, I thought the pairing of those in addition was, was really a good thing. My favorite was Dalvin Cook for the Bucks. I, I think this is a player that's tumbled down the board a lot. I actually like him more than Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette. Five foot ten, two hundred and ten pounds, great hands. The comparison has been made to Jamal Charles. I actually think he's Jamal Charles with better vision. Uh, if he can have the durability under control, and uh, you know there are a few, just like Reuben Foster, some concerns with him with some off-the-field things, just some whispers, nothing specifically that he's really done. But if he does that, I think he's, he's going to keep it under control, and he's going to be a, a really good back for them. Really great pairing with Jameis Winston and Mike Evans and Mush- and. Deshaun Jackson on that Bucks offense. Paul, moving along, what's one pick that you didn't necessarily dislike but made you think a little? I'd have to say the Jets pick of, of O.J. Howard at tight end. And Jeff brought up some really good points about the fact that, you know, they, they really could have gone anywhere with that team and improved it. Uh, I know I've been joking around on Twitter that basically their draft pick's going to be anybody because it really could be. And – I don't dislike the pick. I think it's a good safety net to bring in for those young quarterbacks that they're trying to play around with and see what they've got, considering all that they've invested the past few drafts in the position. But there are so many positions in need, and if you want to protect those young quarterbacks, you're almost better off trading back and trying to pick up an offensive lineman or two because they have nothing on that offensive line. They have nothing at so many positions on that team that tight end just seemed like a little bit of an odd, odd place to start, even though I do think O.J. Howard's a difference maker. Yeah, O.J. Howard is a solid overall tight end. I mean, one of the best overall well-rounded tight end prospects that I've seen ever. I mean, over the last 20 years of looking at the draft, you know, you've had Kellen Winslow and Vernon Davis go very high, but I don't know if they were as polished as O.J. Howard. The bad spot that the Jets are in, good for the Dolphins, bad for the Jets, is that for that number six pick, if they're going to take O.J. Howard, they probably do want to trade down, but then another team has to trade up with you for the same reason you want to trade down. So, yeah, very interesting there, Uh, O.J. Howard. It wouldn't surprise me if he went as high as number four to Jacksonville. Uh, Speaking of that, the pick that really made me think a lot was Deshaun Watson, made by Big Cat Country. I... 
have concerns about about Deshaun Watson as a as a prospect. I mean, straight up, I probably wouldn't take him to the second round. I tend to not make not be. I tend to be pretty inflexible when it comes to a quarterback like Watson, who I have questions about throwing inside the pocket. And it seemed like he got worse and worse as the field started to shrink. But man, oh man, you do have the it factor, a guy who plays unbelievable in big games, won the national championship for Clemson, almost won it two years in a row beating Alabama uh, this here a couple of months ago. And I, I look at the Jaguars and I think Blake Bortles is just not good enough. And their Jaguars are kind of in a bad spot because if Bortles continues to decline, you can't really go out there and sign another quarterback. So you're kind of in a position where you may have to keep taking your hacks at the quarterback position. Taking a look here after the first round, I, I like the mock draft that we had here because you know, I think we had a few surprises like Deshaun Watson, um, like a few of Ian's picks and Carl, Carl Lawson and Raekwon McMillan. All very well researched, though. But taking a look here after the first round, as we get into the second round, the Dolphins pick 54. So you've got about 22 spots there that are, are, are 22 picks that are going to go by before the Dolphins make their selection at number 54. Very good chance that we can look at four or five of these players and say, this guy has a really good chance to fall to 54, or the Dolphins could possibly trade up. So looking at this mock draft we have, who is your top five for the second round for the Dolphins? My top five here for the second round doesn't include probably the two best players that split into the second round. The two best players probably that split into the second round would be Marlon Humphrey and Forrest Lamb. They're not falling to 54. They're not falling within trading distance from Miami. So I didn't put them on my board, but I just wanted to acknowledge that they were out there. For me, guys like Jordan Willis, Zach Cunningham, and Charles Harris are the three if Miami wants to go with the front seven with with that pick at 54 overall. The biggest caveat for me there, though, is if they go there, that means they're possibly passing on Marcus Sanders-Williams, who's in my five for the spot, and Josh Jones, who's in my five for the spot. If they go to the front seven with that pick, they almost have to pray that Eddie Jackson falls to them in the third because they do need a safety to pair with Rashad Jones. I know we're getting T.J. McDonald, who's a big hitter, liability and coverage for the last eight games of the year, and then his contract's up. I know they've got Nate Allen to come in and kind of do some stuff with his injury-prone habits. I prefer him for depth. So really, they, they do need to get a safety in the first three rounds, and if they pass on it at 54 and don't go with a Sanders-Williams or Jones, they, they really have to pray for Eddie Jackson in the next round. But for me, Zach Cunningham, Jordan Willis, Charles Harris, Sanders-Williams, and Josh Jones are the five guys. My uh, top two guys, Forrest Lamp and Marlon Humphrey, I don't think that they're going to be there. And then my third one, I don't think it's going to be there either, and that's Ryan Ramchick from Wisconsin. I think there's a possibility if the Dolphins were to select him that they move him inside the guard. I think he has the flexibility to do that, and I think you may be getting a heck of a player. Uh, fourth would be defensive end Jordan Willis, uh, becoming that fourth defensive end to give the Dolphins a little bit of power too. And my number five guy would be another guard. It would be Dan Feeney from Indiana. I think this is one of the very few – plug-and-play interior line, linemen of this class. And if we were to do that, then you could have somebody starting out right there at left guard. You'd have Reuben Foster in the first round and Dan Feeney in the second round. No, that's definitely a fair five. I mean, I, I, I can see where you're going with the offensive line picks. It's I, I still have it stuck in my head here that while everyone outside of the organization may look at Miami and go, you need a guard. I don't think the Dolphins believe that they're in dire need of one. 
I think they're expecting a couple of years out of Jermon Bush Robbins all said and done. And I think they're expecting that Tyler Larson is their answer for a good while at the, at the other spot. So somehow, some way, I, I just, I feel like unless they're worried about Mike Pouncey's recent additional hip surgery uh, and, and they want to get a guard that can play center as well, I just think Miami feels comfortable there, which is why, even though I like those selections, I don't think they, they go to that well. I tend to I tend to agree with you in terms of what the Dolphins will do uh, there at, at the guard spot. However, I'll say this. I will say this right now. If the Miami Dolphins go into the season with Jermon Bushrod, Craig Urbick, Anthony Steen, and Ted Larson as your guards, remember this right now. I told you so. Because if you're going to be playing the New England Patriots, the Buffalo Bills, and the New York Jets – whose strength of their team is the defensive tackle position, I, I think that's a major, major problem. I, I think they've already, to some degree, blown it by missing the group of free agents earlier this offseason. Now, I, I think they have an opportunity here in the second round, if they have that opportunity, to go grab that guard. But I agree with you, Paul. I don't think that they will. It seems like they are set based on how they've been talking and what they've been saying. Haven't shown a lot of interest in the guard spot other than the veterans that they have on their roster. Yeah, free safety, I would like Marcus Williams at 54. He probably would have been sixth on my list. And But other than that, maybe there's an opportunity in the third round to grab a Marcus May or an Eddie Jackson or maybe a Josh Jones falls down. I, I, I don't think all of them will, but when you take a group of five safeties that don't have much versatility to them, I start thinking at that point that you may not be able to or, or that one of those players may fall down to that pick. The funny thing here, for me anyway, and I, I just want to get your thoughts on this really quickly, all these safeties we both mentioned, uh, whether they're the first-round guys, whether they're second-round guys, we did not mention Jabril Peppers. We did not mention Buda Baker. So it's kind of an intriguing thing for me. What do you think there? I know I'm not huge on Peppers for, for scheme fit for the Dolphins, and I just I don't think Buda Baker is the right fit either. I definitely don't think Jabril Peppers is. I, to me, he looks like another Rashad Jones, and there are a lot of questions with him in, in terms of, number one, the guy has one career interception. Now, they moved him around a lot. That had something to do with him. With that, in addition to that, you have a player who seemed to be a, a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none, and now there's starting to be some character issues with him, too, because he's going to go in the drug pro- program now after providing a diluted sample at the NFL draft combine. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't do that. And then Buda Baker, you know, I, I hear people say all the time, hey, don't look at the size, just turn on the film and watch him play. And I don't follow that philosophy. I, I tend to think if you're smaller and not quite as fast as the players you're lining up against, those playmaking skills are going to go away. I, I would look at Buda Baker in the third round if he were there, but in the second round, I, I can't see a scenario he would be my highest ranked player on the board. That will do it here for our On the Fin Side Mock Draft recap. This is Brian Cat, Cat and Zero, and Paul Pickin. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, YouTube, and on iTunes. And if it's not on the left side and it's not on the right side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fin side. side. It ain't the left side, left side or the right, right side. side. Then it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what...